0: Everyone, and welcome to episode 29 of We F'd Up. I'm Teresa. I'm Cody. And we're here on our bi-weekly sojourn to bring to you all of the worst F-Ups in history. What What are we talking about today, Cody?
1: Today we're talking about something that uh, every American person probably learns about in school, but they don't necessarily stay with them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Let me talk about Joseph McCarthy.
0: Hmm, McCarthyism. Yes, this is uh this is probably one of our more recent or timely episodes I would say.
1: Yeah, I mean relatively recent. I mean it's about 70 odd years ago, but it's still very relevant to today.
0: There are still people alive who experienced the era of McCarthyism.
1: Yes. So, uh, let's just uh dive right into it. So, after the conclusion of the Second World War in 1945, uh the united states and the soviet union emerged as the world's remaining superpowers the old oh, wow. the old european empires were beginning to collapse so okay. uh the soviets and the americans were top dogs all right um and as the soviets began to impose puppet regimes in eastern europe
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, many in the united states feared that if the soviets weren't stopped uh they would spread communism throughout the world
0: i mean did they fail though Seems like we have communists everywhere. I'm just kidding. I'm um, being facetious.
1: And we still have some ostensibly communist countries, but...
0: It's the, weird, because communism ended up being a catch-all term for something that is really not a catch-all thing.
1: Yeah, like, you know, Karl Marx would look at China today and be like, that's not communist. Yeah, but
0: that's a dictator. That's, a, that's basically well, a dictatorship.
1: Even, well, not even that aspect of it, like the economic aspect of it. Yeah. Um...
0: Yeah, it's just strange that that we, and maybe it's because of this, what we're getting ready to talk about specifically, that we use it as a catch-all term, where we just say, like, communist Uh, equals bad.
1: we'll start getting getting into that.
0: Hey, before we go into that, this is a separate thing. You need to edit this out, Steve. Uh, Is pinko a bad word? You
1: shouldn't use it.
0: Okay, I'm not going to say it then. Yeah.
1: Uh, in March 1947, President Harry Truman developed what became known as the Truman Doctrine, a foreign policy which stipulated that the United States should contain communism within its current borders.
0: Truman dropped the atomic bombs, right? Yes. Okay.
1: He was president when that happened, yes.
0: I always get him and Eisenhower confused because their pictures, because both of them were military men, right?
1: Technically, yes.
0: Truman didn't serve in the military?
1: He did during the First World War, but
0: Eisenhower. You
1: know, Eisenhower was the guy who like, was very highly supreme decorated. commander of Allied forces in Europe. Okay, that, yeah,
0: all right. I always get the two of them confused.
1: Eisenhower was after Truman.
0: Okay, so Truman dropped the bombs. Truman Doctrine. Yes. Continue, please. Uh,
1: and this just talk about the policy containment. Um, basically, like like I said, it was just to contain communism within its current borders. Like, don't let it spread. Uh, because there was something, what was called the the domino theory, was that Mm -hmm. if you let one country fall to communism, the next one might fall, and the next one might fall, and so on and so forth. Like, so, for example, um, like, that's why we got involved in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. To contain communism to North Vietnam, because we feared, like, oh, well, if we, if we don't do anything, they'll take over South Vietnam, and then they'll go after Laos, and then Cambodia, and then Thailand, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So
0: I thought it was because of France for some reason.
1: Um, I mean they were the colonial overlords of Vietnam for a long time. But
0: so be- aside, because France was leaving Vietnam, that's when we felt that we needed to intervene. Because
1: not not as much as we would, but we started sending military advisors in the, I think either late fifties or early sixties. I don't remember the year exactly.
0: Okay, so so back to the domino effect. Do you think that that had the reason why they were afraid of the domino effect is kind of the domino thing that happened during World War II with Germany? Like we gave him, uh, we let him annex one country and like he, appeasement. Yeah. Um.
1: Yeah, that that probably had something to do with. it. That's it probably still in their minds. They didn't want to appease the communists, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um. And they saw like it wasn't like instant like as soon as world war ii happened all of eastern europe is communist mm-hmm. it took a little bit of time for those regimes to come into place with support from the soviets and they're like well all these countries in eastern europe are following or falling if we don't stop them they're going to take over the rest of europe and so on and so forth like uh, that's the oh, whole okay. idea behind it so they need is... to contain communism within its current borders
0: europe is weak at this point because yeah i mean ravaged by world war ii so yeah so, another quick aside. Why did we turn? Do we do an about face so fast on Russia? Then, like, because you had, the Soviet Union is was our ally at one point during World War Two. It's more
1: of an enemy. Inim- the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So that then, type after- situation, and they saw that Hitler was the greater threat.
0: Okay, but didn't so- Russia have like the highest number of casualties during oh, World God, War Oh God, yes. So their, their continent probably devastated as well, Co- uh, emerging oh, yeah. communist like, regime. Like Their
1: population was, like, permanently affected. Like, a lot of, like, Russia's population stagnation even to this day can be traced to the Second World War. Like, I think it was like, a quarter of the entire population that was born between 1920 and 1925 were killed.
0: So they're, they're also a devastated country, a yes. huge country. Yes. But they're emerging communist, and now America's like, oh, crap. Yeah. Like, pivot hard. We need yeah, to pivot. Like, like,
1: and they have the largest military, besides ourselves.
0: Why do you think that they were so afraid of communism? Just as, like, a economic policy.
1: Well, I mean, well...
0: You can speculate. I mean, who cares?
1: To be frank, I mean, rich people, <laughs> they don't want to have to share their wealth. Which, but also, like, communist like... Do you, you, think was that, a, you could argue that we've never had a communist country a communist, in the world. A
0: true communist, yeah. Because there's they no all Karl kind Marx, of just yeah.
1: devolve into military dictatorships. Right. It's There's so, no
0: Marxist, like, no true Marxist yeah. communism. So, do you think that it was also influenced by European countries telling the United States, like, hey, we don't want to be communists, help us retain our capitalist."
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It, was, it was within our interest to prop up, like, you know, the, our European allies to... Um, with assistance like I mean, we gave them like well there's a whole thing with, like the Marshall Plan after World War II we're basically giving your Europe money to rebuild mm-hmm. uh, so they can be stable and not be open to communism
0: so it all boils down to money and capitalism once Eventually. again okay so. alright all my questions are done sorry all right,
1: uh Tensions between the United States and the Soviet Union began to escalate, leading to incidents like the 1948 Soviet blockade of West Berlin, like Berlin Airlift, mm-hmm. uh, which prompted the creation of NATO in 1949.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: domestic fears of escalation into a third world war increased with the Soviet development and successful testing of an atomic bomb and the fall of China to communist forces, both in 1949. Wow. Adding to the public worry were the high-profile cases of Alger Hiss, a State Department official, and Julius and Ethel Rosenberg
0: mm-hmm, the uh, on
1: espionage-related charges in the early 1950s. So, so people see,
0: are freaking out.
1: Yeah, and also in Britain there was a guy named Kim Philby,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, also um, uh, investigated for espionage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, there's these fears of like, oh, communists are they're everywhere. Um,
0: so this is kind of like the the Oprah Rainbow Lipstick scandal.
1: I have no idea what you're talking about.
0: It's like a thing that never really happened but or happened like relatively few times, but then somebody publicized it and mm-hmm. made it into a huge thing that yeah. everybody was afraid of. Yeah. So like um drugs and candy. Razor blades and your Halloween candy. Drugs in your Halloween candy. I'm not going to be explicit about the Oprah rainbow lipstick thing, but you should check that out. Um, Or, like, the touching fentanyl makes you overdose thing. Mm. That was proven to be not real, that the cop was just, like, doing drugs. But he said that he touched it, and so they published it. They're like, don't even touch fentanyl. Even touching it can make you overdose. And Mm. it's like, nah, he was just doing drugs, not just touching fentanyl, so... So the people think people are thinking like there are, there are agents of communism everywhere. Yeah, everybody's paranoid. And I mean this is right after World War II, mm-hmm. world powers are shifting like mm-hmm. almost on a day-to-day basis. Co- China's just fallen, Soviet Russia's an emerging communist regime.
1: All these like Britain, France, the Netherlands, all these old colonial regimes that are falling apart.
0: And they're who are weak, they're yeah. financially economically I mean, population, they're weak. So they're freaking out.
1: Uh, Truman issued Executive Order 9835, which required loyalty tests for some federal employees, which is, that's always a a refreshing term is a loyalty test. Throughout history, a phrase that has struck fear into many people.
0: You say that, and I'm going to tell you right now, that is absolutely still a thing that happens.
1: The FBI, under Director J. Edgar Hoover, zealously investigated any suspected communists, including utilizing illegal wiretaps, mail tampering, and burglary.
0: Yeah, but nobody cared because they were like, you have to get the communists, so it's fine.
1: Yeah. Uh, Another factor in contributing to the atmosphere of fear and suspicion was the House Un-American Activities Committee, or HUAC. Oh, boy. Which had been formed in 1938. Uh, HUAC led uh, highly public investigations into communism in the film industry in the late 1940s. Leading to the uh, blacklisting of several actors, right. directors, producers, and writers. So it's where we get the infamous Hollywood blacklist from.
0: Do you have any notable ones that you can rattle off?
1: Um, Dalton Trumbo, he wrote Spartacus. Oh. Um, I mean, this is years later because eventually the blacklist, like,
0: was nothing. Yeah. They're like, this isn't real.
1: Yeah. Or they had to publish a bunch of stuff under pseudonyms.
0: Oh. Um,.
1: I know some some other people got caught up, weren't necessarily blacklisted, but got caught up in it. Like, Lucille Ball got caught up in it.
0: Oh, really? she
1: had been a member of the Communist Party at some point. What? Uh, for that's, a brief period. That's fascinating. Um, I think it's like the 1930s. Um, if I remember the correctly, God, I can't remember the guy. I can't remember the guy's name, which is really wounding my pride, but. Uh, the guy who played Uncle Owen in Star Wars, I think he got caught up in it and that's why he like went to England and acted. That's why my he, he ended up in Star Wars.
0: The, the the like the OG?
1: Yeah, not not Joel Edgerton.
0: <laughs> a new hope, you mean? Yeah. That is absolutely fascinating. Phil Brown as a guy. Phil Brown. Name.
1: I knew his last name was Brown. I couldn't I'm thinking is it was a Ralph? No, it's not Ralph.
0: Um, um
1: But yeah, so like a bunch of like a whole bunch of people got caught up in it, at, um to varying degrees. So
0: I do have to wonder, just really quick, I do have to wonder how Lucille Ball could possibly be a communist, being one of the Her richest, hair was red. being one of the richest women in Hollywood. Though
1: I mean, I mean, it was before she was any like anybody like before she was like a big star.
0: Really? Do you think so? No, this...
1: it was. It was okay. in like the early 1930s. That's why I, okay. why I said that. Um,
0: okay. I thought maybe she was working by then.
1: She may have been, but like, not, she was not a big star. That's why I'm saying, like, this is early in her career.
0: Okay. All right. Cool.
1: Um, into this atmosphere of fear and paranoia and suspicion, Step one, Joseph McCarthy. Born in 1908 in Grand Chute, Wisconsin. He graduated from the University of Milwaukee in 1935 with a law degree. Uh, He was elected as a circuit court judge in 1939, which you do the math, he was only 31 years old. He's already, like, a county judge.
0: Ugh, so he must have been so boring. No, I'm just kidding.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, possibly. Um, He, after uh, America entered the Second World War, he joined the Marine Corps in 1942, and since he was you know, had a law degree, had a college degree. He was just directly commissioned as an officer, which yeah, yeah that's typically what they did. Uh, he served as the intelligence briefing officer for a bomber squadron for most of his service. So he's like, you know, like those stereotypical like you know fighter pilot movies or bomber movies where it's you know you have a bunch of guys in a room getting a briefing. He's the guy giving the briefing. Okay, like this is this is your target. Okay, you know, type of thing. But he did fly on some com- on some missions, uh, 12 combat missions, as a gunner. Like, as the tail gunner of a bomber. Because, you know, they had the different uh, gunner position to protect the bomber. Mm-hmm. Um, since they're slow as shit. Yeah. Um, uh, but he was never in any real danger. Uh, he was <laughs> nicknamed Tail Gunner Joe. Because on one mission, they just let him shoot off however, like, whatever, however much he wanted. Oh, boy. And he basically just fired his gun into a forest and, like, just cut down a bunch of trees. So, like, yeah, yeah, tail gunner Joe. Wow. So, like, kind of, like, mocking him. Yeah. Uh, he resigned his commission in April 1945 with the rank of captain, uh, but he remained in the Marine Corps reserve for the rest of his life, eventually attaining the rank of lieutenant colonel.
0: Hmm. Interesting. So even,
1: like, while well, he's a senator, he's a member of the reserve. Okay.
0: Um,
1: he, and this kind of gives you a I had to put this in here because it kind of gives you a sense of the man. He fabricated much of his war record during later political campaigns, claiming that he flew 32 combat missions, Mm -hmm. which you needed that number to qualify for the Distinguished Flying Cross.
0: Oh my goodness. Which
1: he got later on while he was a senator, because the Department of Defense is like, well, he's a powerful, powerful senator, we don't want to make him mad, so we'll just give this to him, even though we know he didn't fly that many combat missions. Wow. Um... He claimed that he received a personal letter of commendation from Fleet Admiral Chester Nimitz.
0: And he it's did like, not.
1: Like a five, like, it's not, it's not a personal letter. Yeah. It's just like a generic.
0: It's a form letter. Yeah. Okay.
1: That someone probably just put in front of Nimitz, he signed it, and yeah. yeah. So it's he, like when
0: I wrote George W. Bush in 2001 when I was in sixth grade.
1: Like every letter I've written to the president since then. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It looks like a good signature. It's on linen paper. Yeah. It makes you feel important.
1: All four of the ones I've gotten have yeah. been on linen paper. Um, Bushes, it looked like it's actually like yeah. signed,
0: signed. Yeah, yep.
1: And I think I think it's like they have that special gold seal at the top of it. I think it means that they've actually signed it. Uh-huh. I mean, I have read it, but. Um, the weirdest one I got was, fittingly, from Trump, because it also included a still shot of him and Melania. That's weird. Yeah, which I'm like, do they just include that with every letter?
0: Yeah, I never got a photo with yeah, my so. George when I wrote George W. Bush. It was part of my world studies class. We had to we mm-hmm. had to write the president. This was post 9/11. My world studies teacher in sixth grade was like, okay, everybody's got to write a letter to George W. Bush right now, and it could say literally anything. It like it was just a class assignment. And then we watched Joan of Arc. Weird. Well, because he was trying to, like, Mm. have us participate in current studies, but then also, like, it was a world studies class, so we were during. I think I asked
1: him some baseball questions. I knew he'd been the owner of the Texas Rangers before he was president, so I probably asked him a bunch of baseball questions.
0: Also, quick aside before you continue, her communist affiliation was while she was working, because at one point in time, she was, um, she also identified A self-identified communist Hollywood writer worked at her house. But then, of course, she had to, like, renege on everything during sworn testimony. But this was in... She started working in 1932 in New York City. And then she would went back and forth from New York to California several times. But when she registered to vote in 1936, she said that her party affiliation was communist, and her mom and brother did, and her grandpa had communist ties. So, but then afterwards, of course, yeah. she testified, I never planned on, you know... So it was, like, so it was
1: like early in her career. Yeah. Like,
0: but there were other high-profile Hollywood socialites who were also communists, and she was able yeah. to kind of, like...
1: I think Charlie Chaplin was also suspected of it.
0: That kind of makes sense. I could see yeah. Chaplin being a communist. Like, a legitimate Yeah, communist. he eventually
1: like left left the country over it. Really? Oh, I mean, he was English anyway, so he just went back to England. But anyway.
0: Sorry. I would be upset, too, if...
1: Uh, McCarthy, he also uh, passed off a broken leg that he received during a drunken party as a war wound.
0: Oh, my gosh. This guy is like George Santos. Yeah, kind, <laughs> kind of,
1: yeah. Except, uh, you know, I... Yeah, I mean, kind of.
0: (laughs) I got a war wound. Except, like, McCarthy
1: did actually serve the military, so it's like, he didn't lie about that part. That's true. I don't think he ever... (laughs) I'm just trying to think, like, did McCarthy say his mother died on the main when it exploded? Oh, boy. Or, you know... (laughs)
0: Probably not.
1: (laughs) Did he claim to be a a champion, I don't know, old-timey sport medicine ball player or something?
0: Medicine ball? I don't
1: know, I'm thinking, like, old-timey crap.
0: Why is the medicine all old-timey?
1: I don't know. That's the first thing that came to my mind. Anyway, we're, we're, we keep getting way off track. I blame you. Anyway.
0: That's the best part.
1: No, it's not. Uh, McCarthy, uh, he ran for Senate in 1946. Okay. So, again, he, he's still like quite young. He's only 38 years old at this point. Um, he defeated the incumbent Republican Robert LaFollette Jr. in the primary. Okay. And then he defeated the Democrat, Howard McMurray, in the general election. So he, out of nowhere, kind of just defeated the incumbent guy, and, Sen- and then he defeated the guy, uh, the Democrat in the general election.
0: Senator for where? Wisconsin. Wisconsin, okay. So,
1: um, The first few years in the Senate were not productive because McCarthy's demeanor alienated him from other senators. He was just kind of...
0: <laughs> he was such a crab ass. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much.
1: Uh, let's see, let's see. I was in
0: the military. I threw, flew 32 missions. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and there's a picture of McCarthy. He kind of looks like a curmudgeon.
0: Man, he looks like he looks like LBJ, kind of. A
1: little bit, yeah. I can see that. The thing I'm looking like, how, look at how huge those lapels are in his suit. I those know. are massive lapels.
0: Yeah, I mean that was a style. I
1: know, but good Lord Almighty.
0: They're like, wow, that really sticks out over the collar make it stick out more
1: <laughs> it, it's like seriously it's like any further it's gonna like come up off his shoulders That that then he would
0: get his true evil villain look yeah
1: and there's <laughs> there's an example of co- uh, communist propaganda
0: oh boy Just saying, you
1: know the american ship here is gonna hit the communist iceberg and join all these other countries in the grave wow yeah
0: joseph mccarthy is that for today right yes okay I didn't know if you were just gonna like pull somebody else out of your pocket and be like. I got
1: one more person I'm gonna be talking about, but they okay. I'll, I'll wait till we get to him.
0: It's not Lucille Ball.
1: No, it's not Lucille Ball. We're ah. done with Lucille Ball for this episode.
0: Charlie Chaplin.
1: We're done with Charlie Chaplin for this episode. <laughs> okay. On February ninth, nineteen fifty, McCarthy gave a speech to the Republican Women's Club of Wheeling, West Virginia. <sighs> yeah, it, is, shows uh... you, it shows you the kind of level of you know senator he was. Not exactly your A list guy. Yeah. Uh, You're not speaking to the throngs at Madison Square Garden. So Um,
0: Wheeling is the next biggest city close to Logan, where my dad is from. hmm. My dad's from Logan, West Virginia. And, I mean, granted, I was not there. I was not there during the coal boom. My dad was born in 1952, and at the time his dad was still a coal miner, and it was still a lucrative position to have there. Me... I, the first time I was ever there was in 2006, and it is no longer a, uh, economic powerhouse in West Virginia, let me just say that. Yeah, I mean, uh,
1: that's exact same story with of my dad, like, he was born in 55, his dad was a coal miner in Harlan County, Kentucky, and went there a few years ago, and yeah, it's not exactly boom times in those areas.
0: Yeah.
1: So anyway, um, he gave this speech to this, uh, women's club. No recording or transcript of the speech exists. But what is known is that McCarthy produced a list of supposed communists in the State Department. Quote, okay. The State Department is infested with communists. I have here in my hand a list of 205, a list of names that were made known to the Secretary of State as being members of the Communist Party and who nev- nevertheless are still working and shaping policy in the State Department. End quote. Whoops. With fears over communist infiltration at an all-time high, such a statement from a highly placed elected official generated much public interest. Like this hits papers all over the country. It's like the senator he's got he's got the list of a list of known communists in the State Department. Why isn't anybody doing anything about this? In reality, the so-called list of communists in the State Department was likely a list of potential security risks from the department, in the in the State Department from 1946. So the list is four years old. Wow. And all of the remaining suspected communists on it had undergone and passed background checks. If they still even worked for the State Department.
0: Oh my goodness. So this is an outdated, potentially very wrong, and also disproven list. But he's like waving it around like it's brand new. Well, he's not actually
1: showing them the list.
0: Right. But he's waving it around like, I've got this list. Also, I was totally wrong about Wheeling completely different part of the state
1: yeah wheeling's in that little part that juts up between ohio and pennsylvania
0: yeah i was thinking it was i think i get charleston huntington and wheeling confused so
1: i mean west
0: virginia who cares (laughs) that's not nice number one number two wheeling also would be a convenient stop if you were making a pittsburgh yeah if you're like if you're going on a cruise through ohio and then hitting wheeling and then also going to pittsburgh so i've
1: been through wheeling once on the way to Boston.
0: Yeah, I think I went there on the way to Baltimore.
1: It's a way to city. Yeah. Anyway.
0: Pit, it's a truck stop.
1: Yeah. Anyway, uh, the uh, McCarthy was unprepared for the media attention and the number of supposed communists continually fluctuated. At some points he would say it was 81, sometimes he'd say 57, sometimes he'd say 205. <laughs> So it's just like it, it's varying wildly here.
0: Okay, well,
1: which should what the hell? Yeah,
0: you you gotta get your facts straight. There can't be yeah. more than less than more than.
1: <laughs> well, this is also an era when it's like you don't really have instant fact checkers.
0: Ah, uh, that's fair. So, so you're having to read through the newspaper and you're like, Yep, wait, wasn't it? Did he say this?
1: Like you have to shuffle through all your own paper for the past week. But um, he also refused to reveal his source, mm-hmm. only yeah. stating that it was quote some good loyal Americans in the State Department.
0: If you're, if you're in a situation where you're seeing parts of the world fall to communism and you're still freaked out from World War II and then also you are just scared in general that this is going to happen to you, you're not exactly going to use critical thinking skills. It still happens today mm-hmm. if you're freaked out about a thing. Like,
1: There's a reason why fear-mongering is often an effective tactic.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to say that that didn't happen during yeah. COVID, but like...
1: Or how many times have certain uh, sources in the, I don't even want to say news, but just in the media media, uh, shout Oh, there's a crisis at the southern border. How many times has that been rolled out the past ten years?
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: So, uh, the Democratic-controlled Senate convened a subcommittee to investigate McCarthy's claims, which devolved into partisan infighting. Of course. The more things change, the more things stay the same. <laughs> Democrats accused McCarthy of attempting to, quote, confuse and divide the American people, end quote, while Republicans accused Democrats of the, quote, most brazen whitewash of treasonable conspiracy in our history, end quote.
0: That's like, okay, prove it.
1: <laughs> yeah. While McCarthy's base of support were the hard-right anti-communists, he managed to tap into the fears of more moderate Americans, many of whom still had strong anti-government and pro-isolationist views by attacking institutions such as the United Nations uh, and policies that supported social welfare programs. Of course. Because one of the supposed tenets of communism is that everybody is equal mm-hmm. everybody has access to free this and free this and free this and you know, government supported this and this and this. Which you know Again, according to the pure communism is true. But, you know, just saying like, oh, uh, social security...
0: Mm -hmm. Is communist. Is communist.
1: You know, or any food assistance program is communist. I guess this is... The United Nations, you know, why are we in an organization with communists?
0: So, this is a situation... This is probably where we got the conflation of socialism and communism. That hap- that exists even
1: communism, now. Communism... Communism is a form of socialism, but not all forms of sociali- socialism are communist.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I can understand, though, how people who are afraid...
1: Especially if, like, you're not familiar with these... Because these are kind of high-level concepts.
0: And you can't see it. You yeah. know, it's not as easy for them to, like, see the effects of it. Not to say that all communist regimes weren't bad because there certainly were communist regimes that sucked and lots of people died Yes, and lots more people were killed, you know, or starved or whatever. But on the other hand, when you just have this like big bad word and you're like, Oh, you can't have communism. You can't have any of these socialist things because they're communist and we can't all be equal because we work hard and like, well what what did we work for if if, if we don't it, if
1: it's just gonna be taken to the state
0: and we and everybody's yeah. equal like what about joe schmoe that's still a talking point now mm-hmm. what about joe schmoe down the street who lives off welfare lives off social welfare security Welfare queens yeah yeah i mean that wasn't that far away from this no. i think that was in the oh, yeah. 1964 1967 something like that
1: maybe i don't i don't know when that term started being bandied about i feel like that's a reagan era term
0: I could be wrong. you're probably right,
1: but um anyways, it just smacks of Reagan to me. Um, McCarthy was a, a reelected in nineteen fifty two however, just to note, he garnered a smaller percentage of the vote than in nineteen forty six and he ran about six points behind the newly elected Republican president Dwight Eisenhower. so Eisenhower got about sixty percent of the vote. McCarthy only got about fifty four percent because typically. If, you know, you're, you're running behind, mm-hmm. like, the successful presidential candidate, it's like, mm, that might show there's, like, maybe some trouble. mm mm-hmm. You know, like, not every Republican voted for you.
0: Yeah.
1: Or, yeah, you know, what have you, so. Even though the new administration was of his own party, McCarthy continued and even expanded his attacks. Oh, boy. Because, I mean, if you haven't figured it out by now, it's like, he doesn't care. He, this is how he's staying in the spotlight. This is how he is maintaining his power.
0: Right. He doesn't actually care about the truth.
1: No. Or who's in charge. Uh, but with uh, this election, the Republicans gain control of the Senate, mm-hmm. which means they get to pick the committee assignments. Who gets to chair the committees and such. The GOP leadership gave him chairmanship of the relatively obscure Committee on Government Operations. Okay. Thinking that he wouldn't really have much of a soapbox.
0: Oh, boy. They were wrong.
1: They were wrong. Because part of the remit of the committee included the subcommittee on investigations, which McCarthy took full advantage of.
0: Oh, boy.
1: One of McCarthy's first acts as chairman of the committee was to hire a young lawyer named Roy Cohn
0: as committee counsel. Are you serious? Wow.
1: dead serious. A little bit about Cohn. He was born in February 1927 in New York City. Uh, He came from a prominent family. Uh, His father was a judge. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, his maternal grandfather, he'd ran a bank, but ran it into the ground during the Great Depression, and it folded. uh And weirdly enough, his granduncle was the founder of Lionel Trains. Like, the little model trains. That's weird. Yeah.
0: But they have lots of money, probably.
1: Oh, yeah. And Cone actually ran the company for a little while. Huh. In the 60s, I think. But he was weird. incompetent at it, so... He didn't last in that job long. But, They're um, like,
0: wow, you can't run a business. Why yeah. don't you be a lawyer instead? Or a, a politician.
1: Well, this is uh, he's never a politician, but he was always a lawyer. Um, he graduated from Columbia Law School in 1946.
0: There's that Lionel Train money.
1: Again, if you're doing the math, graduated when he was 19 from law school.
0: So do you think they just gave him a pass, or do you think he was really a capable lawyer?
1: He's, uh, for all accounts, he seemed like he was a capable lawyer. Okay. So mm-hmm. he was just... As it turns out, horribly corrupt.
0: Well, he po- he practiced law for, like, a really freaking long time. Yeah, until he died. Yeah.
1: Um, which we'll get to. Okay. Uh, while working for the U.S. Attorney for Southern New York, which is basically, like, Manhattan, New York City, uh, prosecuted several members of the American Communist Party. Oh, boy. As well as participating in the trial of Julius and Ethel Rosenberg.
0: So he's already, like, high-level opponent to yeah, the com- communists. Yeah,
1: and he's, like... The Rosenberg trial kind of brings him to attention. McCarthy's like, I want that guy.
0: Okay, so makes sense. This first... is this is like Trump and Giuliani <laughs> a little bit,
1: in a little bit. Which Trump will come up later. Oh boy. Uh, there's McCarthy and Cohn.
0: Man, they look uh, yeah. look like two fun cats, right? Yeah, that's there.
1: McCone when he's in his 20s, which that's a <laughs> rough looking 20s. <laughs> I'm he sorry law- to say, he
0: is a lawyer for Manhattan prosecuting uh, yeah communists,
1: but still, man, it's.
0: Oof. You got any old old man pictures of him?
1: <laughs> there, there's plenty out there, but I'm I'm going to continue with okay, this here. go ahead. Um, I, I know what he looks like when he gets older, and it's... Oof. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, the first target of the committee under McCarthy was Voice of America, which, for those of you who don't know, Voice of America, it's like the government, it's like state-run media organization that the U.S. government kind of uses for, like, overseas news. Oh, okay. Like, uh, Good uh, like, Morning
0: Vietnam a little bit?
1: no cuz that's like mili- that's like military radio like like different like different countries it's in all sorts of different languages yeah i know it's in all sorts of different languages oh um, okay
0: i think i know what it is
1: yeah it's been called many things varying from like a reputable news source like a international npr i guess you could say to like american propaganda vehicle yeah so
0: it's i think I know it as the VOA. Um yeah, yeah, When when my ex husband's dad was deployed, like that was a thing I remember being yeah. kind of bandied about. Is that they got all their news basically like that?
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's yeah. I when mean, he was in
0: Afghanistan. Yeah.
1: Um, McCarthy's vitriol in his pursuit of supposed communists at the at VOA badly wounded morale at the agency and supposedly even contributed to the suicide of an employee, which won't be the last time a suicide comes up. Um, Ed Kretzman, an agency employee, stated that it was VOA's, quote, darkest hour when Senator McCarthy and his chief hatchet man, Roy Cohn, almost succeeded in muffling it, end quote. Jeez. McCarthy also pressured the State Department to remove from its libraries, quote, materials by any controversial persons, communists, fellow travelers, etc., end quote, after review by Cohn.
0: What is fellow travelers? Like,
1: like, sympathetic to communism. Oh, okay. Like, you know, kind of...
0: Not communist, but
1: yeah, like traveling in the same circles. Okay. Now, something, uh, and you may have heard of this, uh, because I know you have an interest in queer history. A subset of the second Red Scare, which is what we're talking about, is the Lavender Scare. Yeah. At the time, uh, I don't just want to say homosexuality, but Mm non-heterosexuality was largely illegal in the United States. So any LGBT person had to... Keep their orientations secret. Mm -hmm. If someone was outed, then their livelihood was jeopardized.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: While he did not begin the persecution and outing of LGBT people in the federal government, McCarthy had no problem latching onto that hysteria. He and other like-minded individuals rationalized that LGBT people were security risks, as communists could blackmail them for classified information at the risk of revealing their orientations. McCarthy and others would equate non-hetero orientations with communism, stating that once since communists were mentally weak or disturbed, and LGBT people were as well, then they were natural allies.
0: Wow, that's so messed up.
1: Yeah,
0: it also makes me think like my dad being born in 1952. My dad like. He's never going to listen to this, so I think it's okay. Has always been extremely critical and, like, forbidding about queer people in general. Mm. Like, he doesn't know my own orientation. Like, it's just easier. At this point, he's 70 years old and has dementia, so it's, like, easier not to tell him. Yeah. Which is it's a terrible thing and whatever. But... Now, also knowing that he has an incredibly strict religious background and then thinking about this time in his formative years, especially, like, being a teenager and remembering what this was like when he was a child and knowing that people could have lost their livelihood or, you know, be essentially exiled from the country for this, it doesn't make it better because you would think that somebody would be kinder. To those folks, like, who have gone through these trials and tribulations, but it just made him more hard-hearted. So he really took this whole McCarthyist, like, Lavender Scare thing to heart and made him extremely hard-hearted about it. And I bet that he's not the only one. I mean, he's only 70, so there's an entire generation of boomers out there that either are going to be kinder and softer towards folks who are queer because of this... And then there's going to be the vast majority of them who are cis hetero who also Mm -hmm. are going to feel exactly the same way as my dad. And, like, oh, they're mentally weak. And they're potential communist liability. And that is such a hot-button word right now is, like, communist socialist. Mm -hmm. Uh, Things never change. (laughs)
1: Uh, McCarthy also fed on the fear of traditional families Mm -hmm. in that LGBT people were seen as a threat to the traditional nuclear family.
0: Still do. Yep. Still, people still use that as a talking point.
1: Uh, McCarthy, uh, a quote from him, if you want to be against McCarthy, boys, you've got to be a communist or ar- a sucker, end quote. Uh, his push people, was successful. In 1953, the State Department that it announced that it had fired 425 suspected LGBT people in the preceding years.
0: Oh, my God. So, four hundred twenty-five people who had their lives ruined yeah. because of this. And this, I'm sure, the suspicion is probably, yeah, that, dubious at best. That's a
1: picture of like a, an official government report on homosexuals in the government.
0: Quote: Employment of homosexuals and other sex perverts in government.
1: That is that is an official report of the United States government. Okay. I mean, this is a time when, like, homosexuality was still in the DSM as a mental illness.
0: Right. My question is, Jagger Hoover is still involved in the FBI at this point, right? hmm Was he ever investigated? No. Yeah. It's so... This is, like, all so... It's so fragile because it's, like, it doesn't matter. They could have been combing through the entire government, but... If you employed a position of power, you weren't oh, yeah, a lowly were peon. Yeah, you're yeah. exempt from all of this well, stuff. Well,
1: I'm about to get to. Yeah, you'll see that.
0: So the, the folks who might have actually been a legitimate communist, you know, threat or espionage, you know, probably skirted under the radar. Maybe
1: McCarthy was a communist. <laughs> Flip <laughs> wouldn't the that, script. Wouldn't that be something?
0: <laughs> we found the secret communist journal of Driss McCarthy.
1: Wouldn't that be something? Also in 1953, President Eisenhower issued Executive Order 10450, which barred LGBT people from working for the federal government. Well, it would be weakened by later court rulings and policies, but would not be specifically revoked until Executive Order 13764, which was signed by President Barack Obama on his last day in office in 2017.
0: 3,000 executive orders. Happened between now and then. And 50 Six years ago. 60, 60 years? 60 some odd years between those two yeah. things?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was largely a dead letter at that point. It wasn't but, enforced. Yeah, but it was still in the books.
0: Yeah, which is humiliating. That's yeah. like, th- that just that alone is like, it makes me feel ashamed.
1: Yeah. I mean, think of all the presidents who, like, in that time, it's like Eisenhower, Kennedy, LBJ, Nixon, Ford, Carter, Reagan, Bush, Clinton, Bush. Finally got to Obama and he did it on his last day. It's like come on, man. It's like low-hanging fruit.
0: And it's I mean, I think Obama did it as a as a move of solidarity, but yeah. the humiliating thing is that none of those other presidents thought that it was they were like, "Oh, well, it's not enforced, so who cares?" None of those other presidents thought it was important enough to do anything about it.
1: All of this was made even more reprehensible by the fact that Roy Cohn was himself gay. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yep. All this time, McCarthy had never actually produced hard evidence of communists in the government, and cracks began to show in his crusade. He was forced to fire a staffer after the staffer linked communism with Protestant clergy. (laughs)
0: what yeah
1: it's like uh, that guy went a little too far
0: uh, pretty much everybody at that time was protestant what yeah the hell? <laughs> yeah
1: yeah but it showed that mccarthy wasn't you know invulnerable it's like he could be pressured into doing something
0: and also his uh his ideologies or methodologies were flawed
1: <laughs> yeah in late 1953 he began to go after the institution which would prove his downfall the united states army oh boy McCarthy began investigating the Army's Signal Corps, accusing it of harboring communists and promoting them. The accusations ended up going nowhere. While this was happening, Cohn was working behind the scenes to have a recently drafted friend, David Shine, given special privileges and treatment. Oh, boy. Now, there's been a lot of speculation were Cohn and Shine lovers? Hmm... David Shine for the rest of his life never talked about this at all. Cone never talked about it, and frankly, if he told me the sky is blue, I'd call him a liar. <laughs> um, so we don't know. I mean, you can assume, but yeah. without proof, you can't say for sure. But because I mean, Shine, he went on to marry marry a woman, to have six kids. So, but he could have been bisexual, for all we know. But yeah, I was going to say again. It's like.
0: Doesn't necessarily mean he's not No, I, I know, but yeah. I mean,
1: we can't say for sure.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Cone threatened to have McCarthy investigate the Army if his demands weren't met. Like, and he was talking to a bunch of people, like, like, from, like, the lowest personnel officer to, he even wrote the Secretary of the Army. Wow. Making these demands.
0: He's kind of gone off the deep end yeah, at this point. The
1: Army responded by accusing Cone of blackmailing them, which he was. Yeah. Uh, McCarthy claimed that the Army was coming after him for investigating the Signal Corps. And Now, as McCarthy's own subcommittee was the place of arbitration for such disputes, uh, when the Army-McCarthy hearings, as they would come to be called, began in April 1954, they were chaired by a different senator, Senator Carl Mm Munt. So McCarthy's not the guy running the...
0: So he can't control the outcome. Exactly.
1: And Mm -hmm. he can't control, like... Who like who gets called? Like when the witnesses get called, or, or when they get dismissed, or whatever. And so. coach,
0: he can't coach them.
1: Yeah,
0: the snake is eating itself at this yep. point.
1: Yeah, uh, the hearings lasted until June 1954. McCarthy was absolved of any wrongdoing, and Cohn was guilty of quote unduly persistent or aggressive efforts. Okay, I mean it wasn't like a criminal offense, but just like just say, a finding. Yeah, it
0: sounds like such a weak argument. Like, yeah, unduly aggressive.
1: Uh, and this is a, I have a picture here of McCarthy grilling somebody on it. <laughs> yeah, like like that. Like that's the guy he's grilling. He looks miserable. Yeah. And there's this is from an interaction I'll, I'll get to in a little bit. He's
0: like, look at my map. Yeah. Look so, at this. I'm pointing.
1: So uh, what was most damaging to McCarthy from these hearings, though, was the fact that they were televised, gavel to gavel. Oh, boy. An estimated 80 million people watched at least some part of the hearings. That was an incredible amount of people, especially in a time when television isn't as widespread as it would be. Like, so, it's starting to become widespread, but that's a lot of people.
0: This is, like, early C-SPAN. Yeah. But, but exciting.
1: And it, Well, like, it was on ABC, so it was on, like, well, I mean, oh. the only thing around was broadcast television. I was going to
0: say, like, one of three channels that you could yeah. get.
1: Um, so, the public for the first time was exposed to McCarthy's methods of bullying belittling and demeaning his opponents.
0: Oh boy. So he's like a super aggressive lawyer.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh Senator Stuart Symington told McCarthy, quote, Senator, the American people have had a look at you now for six weeks. You're not fooling anyone. Oh quote.
0: boy. Shots fired.
1: Yeah, and that that picture I showed you, and people saw this on television, um, of the uh, McCarthy interacting with this one witness. Um I didn't write it down. I didn't I should have, but Basically, uh, one of the other council associate counsels for the opposing side, uh, had been like a member of this progressive like lawyers union mm-hmm. or guild or whatever that McCarthy assumed was communist. <laughs> and basically, he just kept going after this young lawyer until like the other guy here like told him to like, okay, just go leave. I'll handle this. Mm-hmm. And McCarthy just kept going after him and after him, even after he left. And basically, the guy was just like, "Have you not done enough?" Like, have you no sense of decency? Like to keep going after this kid? Wow! Like at long last, do you have like no decency? And the public is seeing all of this. I mean, that's not the exact quote. I mean, yes, but like it kind of showed McCarthy that McCarthy was like just this bombastic buffoon.
0: Yeah, this he's he's basically to the point now where he's grasping for any straw to hang on to, and it seems like he's deeply paranoid. Uh, Like. Of people against him personally, yeah. and so he would just lash out with communist accusations.
1: Even before before the hearings, the public was starting to become aware of McCarthy's methods. They'd seen some clips or some audio, but they never like seen like a full hearing of it. Uh, one of McCarthy's most prominent critics was the journalist Edward R. Murrow. You've you ever heard? Yeah, him? yeah, yeah.
0: Edward Murrow. Yeah, Edward yeah. R. Murrow yep. Award.
1: Yeah. If you ever see go the movie uh, Good Night and Good Luck, it's a good movie about him um who uh, he ran a series of exposés on mccarthy one of which he stated long quote no one familiar with the history of this country can deny that congressional committees are useful it is necessary to investigate before legislating but the line between investigating and persecuting is a very fine one and the junior senator from wisconsin has stepped over it repeatedly his primary achievement has been confusing the public mind as between the internal and external threats of communism We must not confuse dissent with disloyalty. We must remember always that accusation is not proof and that conviction depends upon evidence and due process of law. We will not walk in fear one of another. We will not be driven by fear into an age of unreason if we dig deep in our history and our doctrine and remember that we are not descended from fearful men, not from men who feared to write, to speak, to associate, and to defend causes that were for the moment unpopular." This is no time for men who oppose Senator McCarthy's methods to keep silent, or for those who approve. We can deny our heritage and our history, but we cannot escape responsibility for the result. There is no way for a citizen of a republic to abdicate his responsibilities. As a nation, we have come into our full inheritance at a tender age. We proclaim ourselves, as indeed we are, the defenders of freedom, wherever it it continues to exist in the world, but we cannot defend freedom abroad by deserting it at home. The actions of the junior senator from Wisconsin have caused alarm and dismay among our allies abroad and given considerable comfort to our enemies. And whose fault is that? Not really his. He didn't create this situation of fear. He merely exploited it, and rather, rather successfully. Cassius was right. The fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars, but in ourselves. Jeez. Quote. So, like, kind of like, you know, what I was getting at earlier, setting it up, like, you know,
0: It's a perfect, it's basically the perfect storm.
1: The field was plowed, he planted the seed.
0: So, I just want to rewind really quick back to, because I found that quote that you were talking about, um, Mm, and the lawyer was Joseph Welch, he's from Boston, and McCarthy was just going after one of his attorneys, one of his co-attorneys, and He said, these are the, according to, this is the Senate.gov website. So this is, and they say, these immortal lines that ultimately quoted, sorry, ultimately ended McCarthy's career. Quote, until this moment, Senator, I think I never really gauged your cruelty or your recklessness. When McCarthy tried to continue his attack, Welch angrily interrupted, let us not assassinate this lad further, Senator. You have done enough. Have you no sense of decency? Um, And I think that that is just... It's, it's a very powerful thing to, when you're, when you're talking about something as sort of like amorphous as communism in this time, um, to, to bring it back down to a personal level and say, you are attacking this man, you're assassinating this man's character, have you no sense of decency anymore? And it's true, McCarthy was just completely freaking, he was bugging out at this point. yeah I mean, he had totally lost any sense of like purpose or dignity or or decency um direction. it was kind
1: of like the end of a ponzi scheme yeah when the person running the ponzi scheme is scrambling to cover their tracks or to like you know cover up their malfeasance for just a little bit longer for just a little bit longer just a little bit longer
0: they're in the corner. They're, yeah. They're, they're cornered, but they're also trying to run. And, and the
1: whole pyramid is about to collapse. Right. So. But the icing on the cake is what happened to Senator Lester Hunt. Uh-oh. Hunt, a Democrat from Wyoming, which is a weird sin, weird thing to say, was one of McCarthy's most prominent critics in the Senate. In June 1953, Hunt's son had been arrested for soliciting sex from a male police officer. McCarthy threatened Hunt with exposing his son's crime unless Hunt resigned immediately and declined to run in 1954. Ugh. One of the wrinkles of this is that Wyoming's governor at the time was a Republican, so would appoint, presumably, a Republican to replace mm. the Democrat Hunt and McCarthy's probably thinking, well, I can get another ally yeah. Another something. dude on yeah. my side. And I can get this guy who's yapping at me to be quiet.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, he was definitely dirt-digging at this point, like gossip-mongering. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. Because uh, how else
0: would he find out about that?
1: Uh, it's probably, probably like, local, yeah. New, like, Washington Post, maybe, but like, not, like, national headlines or anything. Sure, yeah. Um, Hunt's son was convicted and fined in October 1953, but the matter was largely ignored by the wider public. Uh, after announcing in April 1954 that he would run for re-election... Uh, that Hunt announced he would run for re-election. McCarthy resumed trying to blackmail Hunt by exposing his son's situation. Oh, boy. On June 19th, 1954, Senator Lester Hunt shot himself in his <sighs> Senate office, dying a few hours later.
0: Oh, my God. Like a Ugh. sitting
1: senator killed himself.
0: He got put in between an impossible rock and a ridiculously hard place.
1: According to journalist Drew, Peterson, or Drew Pearson, quote, Two weeks ago, he, Hunt, uh, went to the hospital for a physical check and announced that he would not run again. This is like, you know, after he yeah. announced he would run. It was no secret that he had been having kidney trouble for some time, but I am sure that on top of this, Lester Hunt, a much more sensitive soul than his colleagues realized, just could not bear the thought of having his son's misfortunes become the subject of whispers in his re-election campaign. Ugh. Quote.
0: That is so sad. So it wasn't even enough that he could just say, I'm not going to run again. He just, he couldn't bear it. Yeah. Because it was going to become public either way. Yeah, and his son,
1: like, his son's life would have been ruined. Yeah. Because he would have been like, well, he's gay. Oh, well, he must be a communist.
0: Yeah. So we can't hire him because he's both gay and a communist. And
1: he didn't really... He couldn't say, like, no, I'm not going to, you know... Subject myself also to this blackmail from this creature.
0: Mm hmm.
1: Yeah. Wow. All these factors led to McCarthy's ostracization by all but the most hardline anti communists. On December 2nd, 1954, so some few months later, the Senate voted 67 to 22 to censure McCarthy, which is only the sixth time in the entire history of the United States that that had happened.
0: Wow. I think
1: it since then, it's happened three times. It's only happened nine times that a senator has been uh, censured,
0: which basically think. just it just means that they're not allowed to participate, right? Not even that. Oh. It's just
1: like a formal rebuke oh, okay. from like the full Senate. I see. Um,
0: Where they all yeah they're... look at them and point and say shame. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what? That, that they should add that to that process.
0: <laughs> shame.
1: Yeah. Was it from Game of Thrones? Have just had them walk naked through like the hall, like the main hallway of the Capitol building. Just people just fl- flinging stuff at them.
0: Ugh, that would be awful.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't want to see those people naked. Yeah, true, um,
0: true. Also, that
1: this practically removed any clout that McCarthy had in the Senate, rendering him politically impotent. Good. Yeah, uh, he continued to make anti-communist speeches, largely to an empty Senate chamber. Wow. Which still happens a lot today. It's like, I mean, you could see somebody, like, making remarks or giving a speech, but it's just, like, just to be on the record with this. Yeah. A lot of times, the chamber's empty.
0: Oh, yeah. Which yeah. is
1: kind of weird. I felt it would be weird to be in that position, but, like, just talking to nobody but the clerks.
0: Yeah.
1: But, um, McCarthy descended into alcoholism. He had already been a heavy drinker, which, if you couldn't tell by that picture, like, that, that's, a, that's a guy you look at like, oh, yeah, he drinks.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. It's like,
1: there's no way he didn't. Uh he also developed a morphine addiction, oh boy okay yeah. uh he died of liver cirrhosis in may nineteen fifty seven so just a few years later um he was still in the Senate at that point. he would have been up for reelection in nineteen fifty eight Wow he probably would have not even won the primary um so he probably would just like
0: kind of just yeah. drifted off into obscurity
1: yeah. Roy Cohn entered private practice after his time working for McCarthy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He gained a reputation as a combative attorney and was counseled for such luminaries as several mob bosses.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: George Steinbrenner, yep. or the Yankees. The Yankees, Aristotle yep. Onassis. Yep,
0: Jackie Jack Kennedy's in. second husband. Uh-huh. And also
1: a shipping magnate and kind of scuzzball in his own right. Rupert Murdoch.
0: Yeah. Who
1: we all know and love.
0: Sure.
1: And the Catholic Archdiocese of New York.
0: That was the most recent one, right? The Catholic Archdiocese. I mean, from. they were all
1: clients at some point. Okay.
0: You
1: know. Cone's lasting contribution, however, was his mentorship of a young Donald Trump <laughs> in the early nineteen seventies.
0: I knew that was that's why is, that the name sounds familiar. It's also to me. weird
1: to think of young Donald Trump. Ugh.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Cone represented Trump in the Justice Department's nineteen seventy three fair housing lawsuit against him, <sighs> and allegedly uses mob connections to get the concrete used to construct Trump Tower. Because at the time, uh, like the concrete mixers or whatever, they were on strike. <sighs> but yet, somehow Trump Tower got his concrete. Wow. Mm. Great. Great. Uh, Cohn was diagnosed with AIDS in 1984. Because he just continued to just have flagrant, unprotected sex. Like, just wouldn't stop. Well, and, and, the, and the weird thing about him, he... Clearly was a homosexual. Like, he had relationships with men, but he refused to ever be identified as gay because he saw that as being weak.
0: You know, like, I don't understand this and I certainly don't agree with that, but there are many, many, many men who have gay sex that are like, I'm not gay.
1: Yeah. Uh, One of his beards was Barbara Walters.
0: Seriously? Seriously. Wow. Yeah. Okay,
1: the late Barbara Walters. Um, shortly before he died in August 1986, Cohen was disbarred. Because and this is like, I feel like this is like dastardly, like old timey villain thing to do. He tried to change the like one of his clients it was like an old lady, and they tried to change her will
0: uh... by like
1: to, to like to make him the beneficiary. Like, forging your signature Dude. and stuff. Which I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was like Superman Returns. Like, the very beginning of it. That's what, that's how Lex Luthor gets his money back. Like, he he takes up a relationship with this old lady. And I think she dies with a pin in her hand. He just moves her hand and, like, signs it for her, I oh think. Oh, my gosh. So, <laughs> if I remember correctly. I haven't seen that movie in a while. It's not a good movie. But, um, yeah, so... Apparently when he got AIDS, all of his "quote unquote" friends basically just abandoned him, even including Trump. Trump never spoke to him again. Yeah, and supposedly Cohn died like millions in debt to the IRS. Uh, the IRS basically repossessed everything he had, except for like this pair of like diamond cufflinks that Trump had given him. Wow. Yep. While still present, um. The overpowering fear of communist infiltration diminished in the late 1950s. The Supreme Court and several rulings weakened policies aimed at rooting out communists, like, work discrimination. Like, you can't, like, you know, you can't fire somebody just for being communist. Like uh-huh. Stuff like that. Yeah. So. But McCarthy's name will forever be linked to his tactics of capitalizing on fear to persecute perceived enemies. Attempting to try people in the court of public opinion without hard evidence and belittling and verbally abusing opponents all for political gain. So McCarthyism is alive and well to this day.
0: It may not even be, like, it might not even be for communism. It doesn't really have to
1: be. Yeah, it doesn't have to be, like, against communism. It can be. Like, those tactics can be used against, I mean, any other that you want to fight against. So, sources used for this, uh, John G. Adams Without Precedent from 1983, Cedric, Cedric Belfrage from uh, The American Inquisition from 1989, Thomas Doherty Cold War Cool Medium from 2005, Albert Freed McCarthyism, The Great American Red Scare from 1997, Larry Ties, Demagogue from 2020, Nicholas Van Hoffman, Citizen Cone from 1988, and Tom Worker's Shooting Star from 2006. Jeez. So.
0: Lots of sources there.
1: I mean, it's a well-documented period of history. It's very, also very dense. I mean, there's a lot of different threads to follow. I tried to narrow it down as much as I could, so.
0: Cool. I mean, not cool, but.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, what are we going to talk about next time?
1: Next time's going to be a little different because it's an event in history that's very important. Like, we know that this event happened, but we don't know exactly who's to blame for it. But we have a list of suspects. So okay. what we're going to do, I'm going to present, you know, the situation, the background, what happened. I'm going to give you, I think, uh, three people who were involved in this incident, and you are going to pick which one you think did it
0: but i won't know if that person really actually did it cuz well, we don't no know one
1: will but you you will
0: i will make, make an educated you guess you make an
1: educated use your use your immense powers of deductive reasoning teresa holmes yeah to come to a decision
0: okay all right cool
1: so but the only the only thing i'll say about it some history people are going to understand this reference some of them won't, like if you know a specific period in history. A lot of people, it's going to be meaningless. All I'm going to say about next week, one nine one. Okay. I'll leave you with that.
0: Okay. Please be sure to check out our other projects The Drunken Pawn, where we play board games and drink on YouTube, uh, Attack of the Final Girls, my sister podcast project with my lovely podwife, Juliet, Juliette, where we talk about horror movies.
1: Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at we Up no spaces.
0: Be sure to rate and review us wherever you listen. Until next time, I'm Teresa. I'm Cody. And this is we we F'd F'd Up. Up.